This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. This month, Cult of Luna will release their new album, A Dawn to Fear, the band's first material under their sole name since 2013's Vertical 1 and 2. A record comprised of eight tracks running 79 minutes, A Dawn to Fear embodies everything the band's faithful have come to expect from them while covering new ground. Purchase your copy now at metalblade.com slash cult of luna. Once again, metalblade.com slash cult of luna. It's the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Petter Speich, Brandon Hahn, and Jocelyn Sharp. Metal Sucks Podcast. Hello, our friends out there. It is I, your host, Petter Speich. And I'm always joined by... Hi, person. My name is Brandon Hahn, and you can find me on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook at Mr. Hahn Comedy. Also... Hi, it's Sylvia, and my Twitter and Instagram is at It's the Sylvia. And Jocelyn Sharp's still on the road, guys, so make sure you catch her on the road. Go to JocelynSharp.com for comedy tour dates and follow her Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Jocelyn, J-O-Z-A-L-Y-N, Sharp. And if you guys want to follow me, I'm on Facebook and Twitter at Rise to Offend, Rise to Offend Official on Instagram. This week, guys, we got Michael Ackerfelt from Opeth. Always a great interview, always a great chat. Really, really excited to share the new record he's got coming out this September 27th, which is going to be Friday, guys, In Cada Venum. That's right, it's Latin. Mm. And I kind of said it right because I asked him directly how to say it. What is it Latin for? In Caduvenu. Oh, Poison of the Tail. Hey, wow. Why not just name it that? Yeah. That'd be a lot easier. Uh, He'll explain that, Dick. (laughs) All right. He doesn't explain shit to you, Brandon. I I don't know. Okay. (laughs) Anyways, guys, new record is coming out September 27th. Pre-order it now. But before we get into that interview, we got some fan mail. Unleash the fan mail. All right. So uh, last week we got a, a message. First off, asking where where our bits were. Right. Okay. So we're going to answer that message in a little bit here. But this is from Declan. I'm going to read it out loud, guys. Hey, friends. First off, I want to say the half episode this week was a really great surprise. I definitely dig them. You're welcome. Aww. We like making them. We like surprising y'all. Second, I don't do Apple or iTunes, so I don't think I can rate you on there. So I'd like to send my five-star review this way. Even when there isn't much metal news, I still enjoy the banter and conversation between the gang. If I ha- if I had a complaint, it would just be that I wish y'all did even more of that. It's like Rise to Offend light in a way. Except we're funnier on this show, hopefully. Yes. Than Rise to Offend. Yes. A little more serious on Rise to Offend. A little more serious on yeah. Rise to Offend. However, we're doing jackass this week, so it might be a little funnier. Lastly, thank you for the exposure to some things I might discover only years. My recent obsession discovery from you has been Allegion. Great shit to work out to, especially Allegion's fucking fantastic. Wow, so Declan's got guns and pecs? He's getting them. He's getting them. My man. He's getting them through Allegion. Dude, the coolest guys in the world, too, as you know. I'm sure you've heard the interview, but uh, yeah, man. One of my favorites for sure. Double lastly, keep it going. I am listening to the new Cult of Luna, and I did shout out how fucking great this record is. It's a shining example of heavy and art. It's Blade Runner in a world of Blade Trinities. Wow, I like that. Whoa, nice. that is deep. It is. Not to knock Blade, which third side notes? 
I read it the way it was written. Okay. <laughs> I appreciate how Petter has been bringing up comics, comic book movies, and other forms of creativity. I think so many of us are fans, but also creators in multiple areas. Even shit, fuck, that turned into a long emails. Anyways, love y'all. My favorite way to start <laughs> the week. Declan. Dude, hey, thank you, Declan. We really appreciate your five-star review verbatim with the email. Somebody out there who doesn't like us that much or like, yeah, we're a three-star review. Give us a five-star review via Declan and just write, this is for Declan. Yeah. Make it yeah. happen. Okay. Give us a good email. You're probably not even exercising with your three-star review. Yeah, reviews, yeah. Right? And you probably don't appreciate a Legion Probably like haven't does. seen your genitals in forever. Well, I don't... Okay, I don't, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know that? Yeah, Brandon always know goes that. to genitals. I do, no, I don't. <laughs> it's yeah, a that's funny, my go-to. It's a funny word, but it's also a disgusting word. Yeah, and it covers both. Genitals. Yeah. Mm, that yeah. was a French way of saying yeah. it. Yeah, genitois. Je ne sais quoi genitals. <laughs> I don't know genitals. <laughs> All right. So last, as we got yelled at last week, uh, we had to do a bit, obviously. And and we overachieve here on the Metal Sucks podcast for you guys because we're big fans of you guys. So I am going to play Brandon's bit first because you did one, right? That yeah. we're not allowed to hear, me or Sylvia? Yeah. Um, I'm a little nervous about it. I'm nervous. It. Okay. Well, as many of you guys know, mm. uh, Pete has got two adorable sons. Yeah. Uh, They're super cute. Good. One's going to be four in November, and mm-hmm. uh, the other one was just born, three months old, right? Two months old. Two months old. Yeah. And uh, the problem is, is um, they... Uh, they're, they're gangster rappers. Holy shit. I'm yeah. so excited. Go ahead and so hide your host from the biggest I had no idea the story goes. I would get another rap song from my, my kin. Yeah. But the thing is, is they were upset with me because I attacked uh, the generation after millennials. As many of you remember, two weeks ago, I called them Generation Cunt. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. They they were, uh, and as I was... We talked about it last week because people were upset that you called them Generation yeah, Cunt. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, is as I was, I was, we were in the studio and I was laying down some hardcore beats for them. Okay. And, uh, you know, things went awry. Hmm. So, hmm. so this is, this is, this is where things went. All right. Hold up, hold up. Who's talking shit? Brandon Hahn says we're cuts. We gotta split his lip. I bet his old ass has a dislocated hip. He better watch his mouth or we'll double team his bitch. And his wife will fucking love it because he just makes her dry. What the fuck's he gonna do? Flip his clit and cry? That's it, you little pricks. What you're saying made me sick. You're talking shit about my wife. I must kick your dicks. And I don't fucking care if you're not in kindergarten. You're old enough to understand the kind of shit you're starting. What, you think we're scared? You think we're not prepared? You're about to find yourself in intensive care. How's that fucking possible? Stop asking stupid questions. We're creative with their violence and you're our new obsession your cutty generation is way too soft and tender you're easily offended and all you do is censor i'm about to fuck you up because you assume my gender we'll put you in a coma and you'll wake up in december i can't believe i let some babies get me in this mood i better turn the cheek and be the bigger dude wait till we find out we peed all in his food i'm about to pull you fuckers across this fucking room say they got the best of me oh dang i was a little angry that was angry as hell yeah. Oh, Jesus. They were not happy. My kids don't get monster truck toys when we get home. Yeah, exactly. Because that Believe was yeah. too much. That was a lot. I, didn't, I don't, I am. They I, need to get bottles filled with soapy water. Listen, they <laughs> get in trouble when they say their uncle makes his wife's pussy dry. Yeah. Thank you. Is that fair? That's fair. That's, that's, that's not okay. because you respect me. That's not okay. That's because you respect me. And that was said directly in that thing. Yeah. Do you have wow. a clip so we can hear it again? 
Because <laughs> I want to make sure before I punish, that's what I heard. Yes, yes, that's exactly what you heard. I didn't chop it up into bits. So, uh, but yeah, I just want you to soak that up. And it was Dio that said that. And that it was Dio, Dio. Yeah, exactly. Wow. And I mean, extremely scary voice. Yeah, barely three months old. Uh, he's obviously what? What, what, what happened in his again, two months life? He's two months. You keep you keep he's, adding. He's, an, he's a gonna month. he's gonna be three months. You got to understand, his vernacular will be better at that point. He'll be rhyming better in a month. So right. Calm down. I know. But he's already pretty good he's, he's already, already pretty, pretty good. i mean yeah. he just he came he came out the box just bam you know what yeah. i mean just just ready to rhyme and you know what kind of punishment a two-month-year-old gets right what's that what? absolutely nothing yeah there's exactly not, I mean, yeah. there's nothing you can really yeah. do yeah you just give they, them, they don't even have a brain that they just got mush right now you just give them a uh, celery stick with peanut butter on it no you don't actually do that no. you don't do that no well, no because they can't chew yeah, they don't have teeth. That yeah. would probably kill them if you give them salt right now. Peanut yeah. butter? You can't give babies salt, bro. I didn't know that. I don't know. Can you God. give them peanut butter? You know butter? what's awesome? I don't have a baby. Peanut butter is too salty. You well, guys salty, know. salty, but like... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say... I'm going to say no. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's fair. If I say yes, somebody's going to be like, you're a bad parent. Because yeah, I'm 90% yeah. sure. So the other bit we got, apparently, Generation Cunt sent us an email. This is the first bit someone else did to send to yell at you as well so everybody is upset why now who sent this well i don't know it came from a it came from a random person saying that they're gonna call you out on calling generation it's a not oh it's it's not uh, it's not anonymous but like the way they spell things Uh i I, I don't know i don't know it's like what's their email address is it like scabby twat 72 or something like that i want to (laughs) know i want to (laughs) know call me out all right here we go then it must have been sent from you because it was scabby twat 43 Uh, (laughs) i'm only 40 all right, Let's here we see go. Generation Cunt, Yonder Brandon, go. Hey, guy, that used to be called Gooch. We heard your mess of shit about us. And let me tell you, bro, you wrong. Dead wrong. Generation Cunt is the greatest generation. We don't fuck each other. Instead. We twitch. We don't trim our pubes. We braid them and then have our dogs use them as chew toys. Wait, wait, wait. That's what you do. Don't put that on all us cunts. Generation Cunt has done the greatest thing ever, like not show up to vote in 2016 election and cried about it later, including protesting by walking into traffic. Hardcore and never accountable. We brought the world Taylor Swift and made a mass shooting a weekly news story. But you know for damn sure we aren't racist or homophobic. Wait, wait, wait. Aren't all those mass shooter racist and homophobic? Hardcore and never accountable. Generation cunt, we will whoop you in video games and prefer masturbation over sex. We steal music and movies and live with our parents for life. And our parents are too scared to kick us out because if they do, we will cry and be brave on the internet. We are so brave. Wait, wait, wait. Can your mom order me a pizza? Hashtag Han is a dog. <laughs> wow. So. I wonder if I wonder if Scabby Twat is a. I wonder if they're proud of that line. Han is a dog. That doesn't even rhyme. God. I mean, I I th- you got to be like Han is a dog. What what generation is Briscoe and Dio? Because the they can rhyme at least. They're Generation C. They are, no, they're wait, not. Do, they're after the they're after the millennials. Okay, wait a second. Wait a second. Right. Wait, so wait. Your time you, frame's all fucked up now, I Sylvia. Thought, yeah, I thought you were calling millennials cunts. No, I no no. So like I'm the, a, the generation after. generation after the millennials. Then, well, wouldn't they be like Z? Yeah, I think you're wrong because the generation that walked into traffic to protest Trump was generation millennials. C. Okay. <laughs> right. Well, whatever. 
I'm just, uh, I'm basically, everybody I'm 40. Young, everybody I'm f- younger than you exactly. is a cunt. Even if you're 39. Even Got if it. you were born in 1980, I probably hate you. Everything okay. in the bit that scabby twat 77, 72 <laughs> yes. sent to us. 74. 74. All of that was true. Right. It was. It was. It was. Mm. And uh, yeah, and it got a little dark, by the way. <laughs> Not as dark as uh, Briscoe and Deal's yeah, rap. Hey, I didn't bring, argue with them. I didn't bring up school shootings. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> they did. They Scabby, did. Scabby Twat did. School shootings. Well, I mean. It took a dark turn. It did take a dark turn. It did take a dark turn. How about we talk about some metal news? Hey! hey let's do that. <laughs> Bonus in the mosh pit. Hey, there's Jocelyn. So anyways, <laughs> we're going to get emails saying don't do bits anymore after those. Yeah, two. exactly. Right? Yeah. So now to or the, more rap. Do more rap. No, do, do more rap. <laughs> now to the metal news. Dude, you got to keep doing the raps. They're the best. Well, I, the only reason I go to the raps is I was like, what requires the least amount of talent? Boom, rap. But what requires the most amount of time? Well, production. Boom, rap. <laughs> yeah. No, just the production. No, the most amount of time you got to set up drums and, and for every, every other genre of music, you got to do all that stuff like individually. It takes yeah, a long it, time. No, but it takes a long time to rhyme too. No, it doesn't. Not when you're as sick as I am. Uh, wow. And Briscoe and You mean Dio. sick as a sick rhymer? <laughs> I'm the dopest. I don't go that far. I'm the dopest. <laughs> Jason Newstead, he had a solo project a couple years back called Newstead. Yeah. I got to see them live. He actually autographed his EP for me. It was a great time out oh, here. Oh, yeah? Was he nice to you? He was awesome. He is, the like, way. the coolest the guy. Sweet guy, cat right? ever, right? And, um, yeah, and I got to see them live at the Vinyl out here in a in, in, uh, small venue, great venue out here in Las Vegas, and um, loved the band. Because I love Jason. Jason Newstead is my era of Metallica, where whenever I saw Metallica live in my uh, heyday, I guess, of being a, a kid, I was young when I saw Newstead live, but he was the funnest guy on stage. Always. So I have this like, and I know he wasn't a part of Metallica. He well, was. Well, he always like hazed him. He too. was the hired. Yeah, he, he was, was the hired. He gun. was the hired gun in yeah. a way, and I hate saying that. But to me, he was what drew me more into Metallica. So because he was like a fan, dude. He was. That's he what I'm saying. He best. was. He was yeah. a fan that was with the band. It was great. And so the Newstead project, which I thought was fantastic. If you guys haven't checked it out, there was a heavy metal EP and then heavy metal music. Definitely check it out. Whatever format you can but i definitely think you should buy him but anyways that was back in 2013 and we found out the project just kind of ended he's like i'm not doing this anymore and it's because he lost a ton of money and he was the one fitting the bill for the whole project oh no we've talked about this before we've talked about this before no you know like it's I mean, nowadays you can have a whole studio in your house and you can, that's the thing. I mean, I'm sure that he's got people that could have like taught him how to use pro tools or something like that. But well, I I guess you would think that if uh, a guy from Metallica, even though, like you mentioned, a hired hand from Metallica, the majority of people out there are going to say this guy was a very important part of that band, I think, you know, but you would think that him starting a new band would maybe have gotten a little more fanfare, especially because the music was really good. It was really original sounding, you know. I, I really dug it, man. Well, just yeah. like we've talked about this before, if it's really original sounding, mm-hmm. it's like you're taking, especially when you're expecting something that sounds like Metallica, you know, that can hurt you. Because let's, let's face it. But even, it didn't sound like Metallica. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But that's what I'm getting at. Oh, yeah. It's so like, like fans no, no. expected yeah, they were, they were ex- to, okay. Yeah, yeah. They were expecting it to sound like Fatsuma Jetsum or, 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 or Metallica, like the projects that he was mm-hmm. associated with. And if you go out there and you do something original and you don't you don't give the masses what they were expecting, sometimes that can backfire in your that's, face. Maybe that's why he lost a couple of people. Or maybe, guys, that there is no possible way, no matter what your name is, that you can 
start a new band and be successful like at this point like you have to have that nostalgia or that like legacy maybe what do you think i think the only way that can work is if you're the lead singer or like one of these like see i don't even think lead singers can start new bands I mean, they. I think they can a lot easier than and then every other member. But and, wouldn't it be like the same thing where they yeah. have to have like similar music in right. order to be successful? I believe so. I mean, especially it depends on who's writing the music. Like, and I thought Jerry Cantrell when when he went off on his own, I just thought that was an extension of Alice in Chains. Well, it was. You can say that, but um, I never saw Jerry Cantrell perform by himself. But I've seen Surge. I've seen Darren from System of Down both play on their own shows, and it's it's not even half of the audience. That they would get a system of no. The play. last time I saw Surge was like years ago. It was in the House of Blues. House of Blues, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We were probably at the same show, me and Sylvia. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. I saw Darren, uh, Darren Scars on Broadway or whatever. I saw them. Same thing. It was about House of Blues, half full. System of Down just played the T-Mobile Arena, bro, and it was like fifteen thousand seats were full, yeah. easy. So I don't know. But I, even still, like Surge had similar music as um, System of a Down. Yeah, he did. Uh, I mean, similar. Both of them do. Like I said, so it's. I don't think it's even possible for you to 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 branch out. I mean, even Maynard, man, when Pussifer was playing, I know you hate that band, oh, but man, like they're bad. They didn't. They didn't bring much out to the the Pearl out here, you know. No, and so it's it's. I'm telling you, man, legacies really really matter. Was it and because I, of Mila Jovovich? She, I, I don't know if she was there. Oh. Yeah, she but she was. At, she was there. No, she was at like the LA show, but like she wasn't at the one that, that out here in Vegas, dude. Right. Yeah. This was this was going back like, mm-hmm. like a few years. But the point is, I don't think that without the name brand behind it, I don't think people can branch off anymore. I don't think Newstead can. I don't think anybody can. They have to play smaller venues. And I think that's kind of sad because people, maybe they just want the songs. Well, back in the day, like I've told you this many times before, people don't care about the members of the individuals of the band. They just care about the band. Back the, in the you're day. You're talking about the mass. Yes. Or the, the, the majority It's got to be the whole band, the mass. I'm not, yeah, the majority yeah. of the people, not not like the super diehards that are going through the record yeah. stores. I'm mm-hmm. talking about like just the majority of people that listen to music. They don't know the names of some of these artists. Mm-hmm. You know, they just, they might know one guy and that's, that, that, or, or that, one or one lady and that's it. That's not and, relevant to Jason Newstead, is it? No. Well, that, the thing is though, is Jason Newstead, mm-hmm. again, he was a hired gun and he was the bass player. I'm sorry. If it's, if it was a singer. Yeah. If it were James, he could, I think James Hetfield could go do his own thing and still be fine. And but he's the only one. But maybe not so much as like a T-Mobile arena. You're either. talking about the biggest band in the world. There's a story about them being the biggest band in the world this week. That's that's James Hetfield. So he's, yes, I, I'm not disagreeing. Axl Rose can maybe, and you're right, maybe not an arena, but they're going to sell tickets. Yeah. If Axl Rose like, I'm going to Well, Axl Rose, when he did it, he just did it with Guns N' Roses. I let, mean, me, let me ask you this. If Sebastian Bach got back together with Skid Row, would Skid Row sell yes. 10000 seats how much does sebastian box sell without skid row even though he's playing there probably two not two dick you know he still sell he sounds great man you, he's no he's amazing he's, he's still but great. it's so, not skid row the the point exactly that's what i mean and so with the newstead project i i it was almost like there was not a chance to how win. Many, how many albums did did Sebastian Bach sell when it was just Sebastian Bach compared to Skid Row, where yeah. people know the songs? People have listened to those albums. They grew up with those albums. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, and that's and that's the whole thing. So I don't think it's when 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 you leave the mothership as an artist in music. I think that there is you have to accept that you will never be back on that level. And because it's not, music 
in general, the the industry and everything's changed the way it's consumed, you'll never reach that level again. Yeah, exactly. Because back in the day, when you could do something like that, when Paul McCartney went out on his own, John Mm -hmm. Lennon, uh, again, we're talking Peter about. Gabriel. I mean, you Peter know, Gabriel did it. Yeah, yeah, but I'm just saying, like, you know, you have these guys that went off on their own and they could still sell out arenas. But the thing is, is there wasn't as much competition nowadays. I mean, you you have eight year olds, ten year olds that can shred on a guitar, and that's because they watch YouTube videos. Yeah. Like the amount of people that know how to at least play a little bit of music. So you're saying like multiplied times a thousand billion. So if Jason Newstead were to do this years ago, maybe like early nineties, if he branched off, would he No, have... he was just the bass player. Well I know that. But I'm mm. just saying like if he branched out at the time, yes. would if he had gotten like, you know, if played it big arenas. Yeah, if he would have did this like in like ninety you know, four that's what I'm saying, yeah. You know, like something like that. I mean he was he left Metallica not that long after that. Mm-hmm. He left it in I think ninety nine, but I mean uh he left yeah, right before St. Anger. So I, I don't remember the exact year. But the point is, like, I, I still, I don't know, man. I don't I don't think. I'm just saying, like, back in the I day. I think in the 90s it's different because, yes, music was still a, a very hot commodity. And I think even early 2000s, music was a hot commodity where you can kind of branch off and start new things. I'm talking about the last 15 years. That's what I'm saying. Well, even in the last 10 years, I mean, it's like, look at how your average music fan consumes music. It's just a barrage. Boom. Just constant, constant, constant. So if you fall off and you quit your band, you know what? It doesn't matter. Like they don't, they they've already moved on to something else. The loyalty has been gone because of this constant barrage, this constant snowstorm. Yeah, that's that's probably the good thing is that there was a loyalty. Like I'm a lifer. Yeah, I will follow you forever. Even if we go to, uh, I mean, probably a bad example, Phil Anselmo, because of outside things he's done. But even him when he does a solo band, not even like, well, like even when they, any, and it's any, like it even might, even when they sing Pantera songs. Yeah, yeah even when they, as, <laughs> it's not as hard. It's not as like, yeah. Strong. But, but he know, has he has outside things that have fucked his. And uh, it's like, and we yeah. love down, we love down over here, but. You know, even when he did down, it was nowhere near the level of fandom that Pantera got. Nowhere near it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Vinnie Paul, when he went over and he, and he's like, he was like the only drummer that you could think that he could a- attach his name to, but he also needed Chad Gray to, to, to form Hell Yeah. You know, it's like to have that kind of super group thing happen. Yeah, for a drummer like Dave Grohl to leave that position, then front a band as a guitar player, and then have the band get as big. But he did that in the 90s. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly what I was going to say. I go, but that's not, I don't think, feasible today. Yeah, that's true. Anyways, well, with us having... Guys, give up on your dreams. <laughs> <laughs> don't give up on your dreams. Don't listen to Brandon. He's, he does stand-up comedy for a living. <laughs> Not for a living. <laughs> I wouldn't have this. I wouldn't have this expensive laptop if I did it for a living. All right. <laughs> Anyways, with that, guys, let's jump into our interview with Michael of Opeth. Everybody, what's going on? It's Petter with Metal Sucks Podcast on the phone. I got Michael from Opeth, and we are here to talk about the new record Incada Venuum, which is coming out September twenty seventh. It is uh, Latin for poison in the tail. Is that correct, Michael? Yeah, I think so. I'm not a Latin expert myself, but uh, that's what it said online when I, <laughs> when I found it. You know, I, I uh, kind of typed in uh, Latin phrases or something like that and uh, found this one. I liked, I liked how it looked aesthetically. You know, that's the first thing. It has to look good. Mm-hmm. Then the meaning. That it was, uh, it meant uh, the poison is in the tail, often referring to uh, a scorpion, basically. 
Now, this is the 13th observation, if we may, from Opeth. And um, you've been looking for a Latin phrase throughout your career, but this is the one that stuck with you. How long ago did you actually find this phrase? I found it like, you know, a week before I had to give a title to the the people that we work with, the record labels and everything. Uh, but it's true. I've been wanting to use Latin for someone. I think it's like death, black metal damage. You know, that I always thought it sounded cool, looked cool, uh, and we never really had it before. Not even for a song title, as far as I remember. Uh, and I felt now's the time because I wanted a Latin title early on uh, for this record because there's going to be two versions. And I wanted the same title for both versions. So I figured now's the time for the Latin shit to happen, you know. So, so I um, yeah, went, went searching and found this one. I had a few other options, some of which is going to be uh, kind of uh, etched on the vinyl runoff. Uh, but this one was the one that, that stood out, that, that really, you know, like caught my attention. And, you know, ultimately the meaning was, was good. It worked with the artwork and work with everything else surrounding this record and it sounded cool yes and i hope i'm pronouncing it right because i as you know it's it's sometimes i sometimes do get it i wrong. can't say it like 100 percent. i did an interview with a guy who said that he was a latin professor mm. and i asked him how do you say it then and he goes well in cauda venenum mm. so i said it a little yeah. in cauda. but i don't think we're going to run into trouble like you don't meet people who only speak latin these days that often mm. so I, I don't think you'll Nobody's going to be offended. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, you mentioned it is the first Opeth record that you sang in English and Swedish. Now, there's two versions, as we mentioned. Were there lyrics you had to change due to the pronunciation and dialect, or did it translate seamlessly? Not seamlessly, but I, I would say that around 75 maybe 80% was fairly easy to translate. And some of, some of the lines I had to rewrite write something else that still like that still had been main, kind of keeping maintaining the, the the concept of the song uh it was fairly easy i think i did the translation in a in a afternoon evening type you know during that space of time so it wasn't really all that difficult the most difficult thing with the, because the swedish version was first that was recorded the lyrics were done and then I translated the lyrics into English and then recorded those vocals. And that was a bit more difficult because I wanted to copy the Swedish version more or less uh, and have this, pretty much the exact same vocal lines. And that was difficult because of, you know, if I ended on a different vowel or something like that, some, some, some vowels are difficult to sing more, more than others. And I wanted, like, the, the vocal melody was more important to me to have that stay the same than to, to get the translation exactly right. So I had to kind of move things around. And I guess I, I, I uh, uh, allowed myself uh, <clears throat> to, uh, to, uh, to unlimited amount of poetic freedom, I think. So it's grammatically wrong, I guess, in parts. But then again... It's my lyrics. Nobody's going to tell me, like, I can't do this, can't do that. You know, it's, uh, it, it worked out in the end. Yeah, and I got to tell you, vocally, this is what, what in, in Kaudu Venum has many voices and vocally almost has a ghost-like choir, especially on certain tracks like uh, Next of Kin. Was the vocal mm. presentation a major focus during this album's recording for you? Yeah, I mean, it became more and more important to me to develop my 
vocals because I don't really have it in me. I mean, I can do the scream, but I don't really like the music doesn't call out for it anymore. I kind of moved on, I guess, from death metal. So that had me. Um, I wanted to develop my clean voice as much as I as I can, and with that, you you never fully learned. I feel I don't, you know, I don't consider myself. I never considered myself a vocalist, to be honest. Uh, but I am the vocalist in this band, so I take it seriously. You know, I want to, I want to be a good singer. Um, uh, and this, so so the vocal lines are much more at at the the forefront now than what they were before. I mean, there were much longer instrumental passages on the earlier record, and now there's a lot of vocals on there, lots of vocal harmonies, pretty intricate stuff actually. That. That's uh, I, like when I listen back to it, it's like my God, that's 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 uh, that's nice. If you know what I mean, I'm I'm really happy with uh, the way the vocals came out, but they're very uh, sophisticated, in lack of a better word. There's a lot of intricate things going on there, and lots of different type of type of voicing. I think with with my deepest voice on say next to Kim, and I sing in a my highest falsetto voice all of, all of, all over the record pretty much and whatever's in between. So I want to be as diverse as possible. You know, I'm, I have limited resources when it comes to my vocals, but I really want to develop it as much as I can. Love, Lauren Crime was a very powerful vocal um, song, and I think that that's, it stood out um, across the record as, as a song that I think was like, stop and just listen to what I'm saying. Um, was that a challenging one for you to hit those notes? Was there a lot of takes for you to make that song sound perfect as far as the emotion goes? Yeah, that's a difficult song to sing. It's, it's out of my range. But my voice sounds quite good when I'm pushing it to the point where I'm singing uh, uh, over my abilities, if you know what I mean. When, I, when I'm at the point where I almost have to scream, I like that sound of my voice. It sounds frustrated and... Uh, yeah, it, it adds to the whole emotional kind of uh, um, uh, vibe of the, of the song, I would say, of all the songs. You know, so ma- many of these songs I sing sing over my abilities. You know, like I like I said before, I never consider I'm, I'm not fully in control. I sing my technique is not perfect, so it's, I would damage my voice doing some of that stuff. But it's all for for the art. If you will, you know, I, I wanna, I wanna, I wanted it to sound good. If I have an idea what what I wanted to sound, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna get there, no matter what. And if it means like getting getting a sore throat or losing my voice for a couple of days, then so be it, you know. But that song's definitely mm. one of the more difficult ones to sing. I mean, it's not a very difficult vocal line. It's just hitting those notes and singing it clean, as clean as possible, as in pitch as possible. You know, uh, it's difficult. And I'll tell you right now, if you do attempt it live, that's going to give us all goosebumps. Because I'm telling you, if you hit those notes, it's it's definitely like when I think of the record in full, I don't know if that would be a song that was selected for the live uh, presentation because there's so many other ones that I think might might fit in better. But vocally, that would be a stopping moment for us. So just a thought. Yeah, I think I can. I, I have a hard time seeing that I could pull that off yeah. five nights a week for a, a, a month-long tour. Yeah. I, you know, like, but I have to be in really, really good shape if I'm going to sing that song. And being on tour, you know, you kind of wear out your voice right away. The first two shows, you're okay, and then it starts, it 
starting to go down and it's becoming more and more difficult to sing those higher things. And you end up in a, on, a, on a level where you can pull it off uh, to, 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 to the point where it still sounds good, but not perfect, you know. So that's one of the songs. I mean, I don't know. We haven't really rehearsed all the new songs that much yet with, with uh, vocals. I don't really know how it's going to be when we play live, but that's a song I, can, I would see that we play it a few times when we're really rested, you know, uh, but not every night. I think that it's going to be more of an exclusive live track. Nice, dude. Yes, yeah, so I hope I hope I'm, I'm I get to see one of those one of these days because, like I said, the song is really special for you guys. Um, there are subtle nods to King Diamond throughout this record, um, which I noticed. But uh, which King Diamond record, um, if I may, was the biggest influence for you um, while while maybe listening to it, or if you were doing this record? Well, I wasn't listening to King Diamond as I was writing for this record, but he's 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 in my bank. Mm. of influences pretty much in my vault of influences and I've been I am a massive fan of both his solo project and Merciful Fate of course but I would say the five first records mm. are, are my, my, my favorite ones from Fatal Portrait up till um, The Eye and then uh, I kind of lost you know I'm, not, I'm still super interested in what he's doing but there was something magical about those records for me, I think it's got more to do with me than the, the quality of those records that came after. They're, they're great, you know, but those five first, to me, they're magical. You know, they're, um, they're historical landmark type records to me. Uh, but I wasn't really listening to King Diamond during the writing. But I, I had to develop my falsetto voice because their notes I wanted on the record, I can't hit them with my full voice. I had to kind of, you know, you know, take that route of doing falsetto vocals instead, and of course, you get that King Diamond vibe in there when you do. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I did feel that as well. Yeah, when I when I mentioned Next of Kin, that was the first one where I noticed. I'm like, you know, there is a little bit of a vocal presentation that you, we were talking about earlier. But um, I do like uh, the growth of Opeth and all those things. And I, I remember that uh, there was a quote that I read a while back, and uh, if I say it wrong, I do apologize. But um, being heavy in terms of metal is not something that you're interested in, but there is an embrace of heavy throughout the new record. How has this term heavy changed for you creatively through your career? Well, in, you know, I still like traditional heavy when, it, when we're talking about metal music. I love that stuff, you know, too. But it's usually older shit that I listen to, to be honest. Uh, but we were, I mean, with the last, I don't know, four or five records, we, we, people have been uh, giving us a lot of criticism for not being heavy, and they're meaning that in the traditional sense. And it's almost like that's, that's if, if they get that, it's that as a seal of a, a quality, heaviness, like heavy guitars, heavy drums, screaming vocals. That's not. That's that's just an ingredient that doesn't really seal the quality of the music to me. And I see heaviness in other ways. I mean, I'm not trying to like. I, I'm, I'm not sure why I'm even trying to defend defend myself here. But there's a, there's a different type of heaviness. Like a chord progression can be heavy. A vocal line can be heavy. A vibe, a mood, an emotion can be heavy. Uh, so if if 
if I'm trying to sell this record as a heavy traditional metal record, so to speak, then I'm off. You know, I don't. I, I wouldn't really. You know, I wouldn't be be truthful. But there's other forms of heaviness to me. Like if you listen to classical music, for instance, put on Mozart's Requiem or something like that, and say that's not heavy to me, and I'm gonna kick you in the fucking cunt. <laughs> exactly. If you know what I mean? And yeah. If you if you have that, like if your eyes are fixed on heavy metal, heavy, you'll find some of that on this record. But if that's all you're looking for, it's not the record for you. And that's perfectly described. As it, there is a meat and potatoes heavy, if you want to say it. But like, if you're a listener of heavy music, you don't always want that. You know, you want something more. And it is about the vibe. You know, I remember when the, when I got the record sent to me, I was listening to the new Flaming Lips record, like kind of in a loop. I was kind of into that. And the vibe of that's like this joyous kind of weird thing. And then when I got this record, I'm like, well, this is too heavy right now. That's yeah. what I mean. You know, it's like, it's, it's, uh, I have to change my mood. I have to get into the, the heavy vibe, you know? And yeah. The, the, I mean, there's the difference between heavy vibe, heavy emotion, mm -hmm. and the section heavy metal in the record shop, if you know what I mean. I mm -hmm. mean, if you play, there's so many examples I could come up with. A good example is like the, the later Scott Walker records. If you play those, that, those are not metal records, but they're heavy. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're heavy on your, Psyche, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, but it's not the traditional mishuga or like heaviness. I mean, that's super heavy too. I understand where, where where that talk is coming from. But just to kind of limit the word heavy in rock music to as it has to be screaming vocals, fast drums, and that kind of stuff. I, I think it's 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 not how I view it, anyways. But that's just me. You did write and record this record by yourself kind of in secret but before allowing the business side to enter the equation or any opinions infected your creative endeavor. Why was this vital for you this time around? It's always like that. You know, like I, I write, I have a little studio, you could say, um, where I uh, write the music and record demos of everything. But I never write, like I don't have any, anyone hovering over my shoulders as I'm writing, and that's never been the case, really. I always write in peace and quiet, and I try not to feel the pressure. It's done when it's done, and I usually say that. But this time around, because I was not meant to write the record when I did, I was meant to go on a sabbatical, pretty much. That's what I said to the management. And Don't call me, I'll call you, that type of stuff. You know, I'm just, I needed a break from it all after the sorceress tour and I wanted to spend time with my children and my girlfriend and just be at home doing nothing for a while but uh, obviously my girlfriend goes off to, to work or to school and my kids go off to school and I sat there on my own in my house feeling like a useless little bitch and like what am I going to do it's like I can't I already vacuumed the house I've done the dishes I cleaned the windows I washed the car I, I mow the grass, um, what, I have to do something or I feel useless. And that's something that had me just going down to the studio and kind of connect everything, see if it, if it works and that kind of stuff. And lo and behold, I started writing. But as I was writing for this record, no one really knew that I was writing. It was only when I was kind of halfway through uh, writing this record that I told somebody, like the guys in the band and eventually the manager that it looks 
like I have a, will have a record soon. So maybe we should look at booking studios and stuff like that. You have a, an aging studio um, and have chosen not to modernize it for like new records or recordings. Like you're using a lot of the techniques that you did for Watershed about a decade ago. Is that correct? Can you tell me about that's correct? Can you tell me about the comfort of this equipment and how what it brings to you? Well, I still don't know. I mean, it's old and it kind of hacks and stops, and you know, it takes forever to load up things. You know, it's a it's a Pro Tools rig. It's the, sim- the most simple Pro Tools rig that you can have. But I have a good microphone and a good preamp for the microphone, and my guitars are in there, and I got some whatever plugins, and I got a keyboard, so I can I can make good sounding demos with that shit. You know, it's 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 certainly not state of the art, but it, it works for me. And you know, I'm one of those kind of old school kind of guys that you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That kind of stuff. You know, so as long as this rig works, I'm going to continue using it because I can get all ideas into it. You know, I can write and record good sounding demos for it. You know, so, so I won't change until it completely breaks down. But for instance, the computer is I can't even go on online on the computer. It's that old. Nice. Um, and uh, it's, yeah, not like people with, like other people with more modern equipment would, would get very frustrated. But I know how everything works there, so I can get my, my point across at least. And going online is a distraction from when you're working, so that's a good thing. Not it to is be a able distraction, to... but sometimes I needed it because I was, as you know, there's a couple of um, samples hmm. on the record, and those I have to kind of find an internet connection and go search for whatever I needed to put that into the song. I literally had to sit with my cell phone and record from the microphone from the cell uh, from the speaker from the cell phone. Record, hold it next to the microphone, and record the samples. And those are still on there. They're taken from my cell phone, pretty much. Oh, nice, dude. Yeah, and let's, can we talk about the samples a little bit? Because there is, um, like I said, it brings a lot of the atmosphere and the ambiance to the record in its, in, in, in its complete entirety. But I feel like there was more yeah. samples used on this record than any of the previous ones. Is that fair? Yeah, all of the previous ones combined, I mm, think. Exactly. Yeah. Now, that was, just, I don't, I can't say why. You know, I can't say why I write a riff like I do, or like a, a, a section, why it doesn't sound, it's just, ideas I have and I kind of move forward so quickly I forget what I was thinking you know it's almost like you're in a trance in lack of a better word and sometimes I just have the idea and I need some some spoken word type thing here I need a crying voice here or a laughter or a hand clapping you know whatever is on there it's just spur of the moment to be honest and I just went looking you know I had a section or something's missing here it has to be this or that. And then I went looking for it online, find, found some, some good-sounding thing, and just put it in there and listened to it. Thought, oh, that works. You know, it's, it's as simple as that. It's not like... Uh, the music is serious and the music is deep, but the way it's written is just spur of the moment. Excellent. Yes, dude, I love that. I love that intuition that comes into the album process. Now, one thing that like you have a lot of control when you are in the studio and you're making songs and all that stuff. But the one thing that I love about Opeth and I always have is that you guys, the live album is such an important part of the experience with you guys. Um, having them released mm-hmm. almost every cycle, I think since the damnation record, unless I'm wrong. 
And yeah, unlike studio albums, there is much less control for you on those recordings. What is your favorite live album or DVD that you guys have released personally? Uh, visually, I would say Albert Hall. Mm. Um, that one. Uh, sonically, probably the last one. I think David did a great job on that one. It sounds super full. It's, it sounds almost like a, like a record. And there's very little studio trickery done to, to our uh, uh, live DVDs. I mean, we fixed some things, like a guitar breaks down or it's out of tune. We, we fixed those kind of things. Uh, but there's very little cheating, to be honest, on, on those live things. And the, the older ones, which, which roundhouse we had, that was okay, I mm. think. Um, Lamentations, that was all right. But the memory, like the memory of those recorded shows are not always great. I don't think we ever done one that was like where you felt completely comfortable because of the fact that there's cameras and someone's recording it. You always get a bit stressed about that. Hence, you won't be able to enjoy the show as much as you can. Usually the show after we have recorded is fucking brilliant. And you wish that that should have been recorded instead because then you're all calm and you've done like the trial by fire type of thing. Uh, but I remember feeling really good at the Albert Hall. That was a nice vibe. And you can almost tell when you watch that that we're quite comfortable there. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, those, uh, the, the footage from there is the one that I think looks the best. Uh, and the audio from the new one, I think, is the best sounding. Nice. Roundhouse Tapes is my probably my go-to, I think, for a lot of times, just because I think I, I when I was in that time frame, it was just kind of one of those records I listened to just nonstop. But uh, the, the venues, like you said, the Albert Hall, or the last one was at the Red Rocks out here in uh, Colorado. That's correct, right? Yeah, yeah. The, the Red Rocks, like acoustically, I only saw one band there, and, and I had to travel there. But it was, it's funny, funny enough, was the Flaming Lips when I went to see them. And yeah, there you go. Yeah, acoustically, that venue. I don't think. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just some magic because like, you see where you guys are playing at. But I, I never he- heard a cleaner sounding uh, venue. Um, did you guys feel that way, or was it kind of just in my head? Uh, no, you're probably right, but I wouldn't know because I was on stage. Yeah. You know, I, I I wouldn't know what it sounded like to the people sitting there, to be honest. But it, it it's it's kind of shaped like a room, like an amphitheater. With it's got walls on the side, by you know the shape of the the, the the mountains on the side, which kind of brings all the sound forward towards the audience, as opposed to going all over the place, which is the case when you're playing festivals, for instance. But so that's an outdoor venue, but it has like indoor sound qualities, I guess, because of how it's where it's located. It's such a peaceful place to watch someone play. I mean, I I don't know. Yeah, no, it was. Yeah, but it was so cold. It was so freezing cold. I mean, and windy. I mean, we, I think we were at three degrees Celsius, whatever that is in Fahrenheit. I don't yeah. know, but it was freezing cold and really windy. You know, so that was that was just another like horrible, almost horrible experience to record it, but it looks good and it sounds really good. Yes. So that's all we need. But at the time when we were there on stage playing, none of us felt like, okay, we're really na- nailing it here. You know, we felt like when we walked off the stage, the whole band was angry. Like, fucking hell, that's shit. We can't release that. But then when we played back the audio, unmixed audio, it was like, that's not bad, actually. That's pretty nice. 
Oh, and the same goes for all of those live things that we've done. And I remember you mentioned Roundhouse. I was sick at the, you know, it's like I had a cold coming on. And we're going to record at the Roundhouse, and it was a big thing. Or maybe it was alcohol, one of those, I can't remember. But I got a fucking steroid injection in my ass. Wow. Just to make, through, make it through the show. Like literally a doctor with a fucking syringe shoving it in my fucking ass with steroids just to have me being able to complete the show. Wow. Dude. See, the, the backstories are always more interesting because it looks, like you said, they, they look just so pristine. But I can't even see the cold on the, on the Red Rock thing. And, and that's, that's insane. I, I got to remember if you said something about it. I think you did. On the audio, but yeah, I'll, I, probably did. I, I think you did, but um, like the visual of it, you just don't pick up on that. Now, one thing I, I do love about the new album, if I want to go back to that for just one second, um, is that there was a lot of it to the to me as a listener, a lot of new instruments and sounds on this new album. Like a, a track like the Garreter, it, it seemed to have something that you haven't played before. Um, uh, is that true, or am I incorrect on the instruments you guys used on this record? Well, instruments, generally it's the same stuff as we've used since Damnation, you could say. I mean, there's the two guitars, electric guitars, there's the acoustic guitars, uh, piano, uh, mellotrons, Hammond organs, you know, pretty basic rock setup, I would say. A bit more elaborate, maybe a bit more like prog rock setup, I guess. Uh, new instruments on this record. What what do we have? I mean, there's a lute in there on the Geralter. The opening mm. guitar thing is actually a lute that I'm playing, but it kind of sounds like a guitar. It just has a bit more of a punchy sound, and it was fun to put lute in the credits too, you know. But I don't think there's that many different instruments on there. I might be wrong. I mean, we played shitloads of different guitars. There's the soundscapes that we we used, arpeggiators were used. But it's all like we usually go back to uh, old school instruments, even if they might be newly made, so to speak. There, there, like there's not a lot of techno sounding synthesizers. It's all like you know some type of organic vibe to the instruments that are being used. Uh, instruments that have been around for a long, long time. Uh, so I, I like there's no, you know, no, no uh, uh, plugins used. I mean, everything is recorded in an old school way, with the exception that it wasn't recorded onto tapes. Nice. Yeah. Um, but I can't remember if there was any, apart from the lute. And and the lute you did didn't she use the lute on Morning Rise? Is that correct, or am I? thinking different hey, good call good call uh, it was it was in the studio but in those days we i was full of myself you know i was uh. a fucking tit you know <laughs> we we figured that we were beyond all the other band like beyond every like i was more of a narcissistic prick then so so even what? if we had no audience so i don't know where that was coming from but i figured that we had embraced you know, we were being called a thinking man's metal and all that stuff. And I think it got to me when we did the second album. So we were playing chess and reading Dostoevsky and, you know, being clever and, uh, you know, uh, poem, poems, you know, reading lots of poetry uh, and bringing lutes to the studio. But that was never on the record. But oh. we brought it. And I think there's a picture 
somewhere where I'm playing a lute. But, you know, we were, uh, we were assholes then. <laughs> so 11 albums after Morning Rise, the lute was properly used, opposed to the That's asshole. That's right. Okay. And it's the same. I think, no, it's a different lute. I still have the one. I got uh, that lute that was, on, that was supposed to have been on Morning Rise. I got from, from Jonas Catatonia. The singer character, his father gave me, uh, borrowed me that lute. And then a few years, like a few years back, he called me up because they were moving houses. And he said, I have a turntable for you. You can take it because I won't need it if you want it. And I was like, sure, I want it. So I went over to his dad and got the turntable. And he said, what, what, what about these? Do you want these? And it's that lute that I had for morning rise. And another lute that was broken, broken. So I said, I'll take them. If you don't need them, I'll fuck you. You know, that's so super nice of you. So I got two loops from him and a turntable, and I fixed up the broken loot. The bridge had fallen off, so I had to glue it back in and kind of, you know, fix it to, to be playable. And that's the one that we used on the Garota. Nice. No turntable usage, though, right? Ever? No turntables, no scratching. No yet. scratching, but yeah. I, I fixed that turntable, too. That was in pieces. It was an old 60s torrent turntable and I brought all the components that was missing from from uh, online and soldered it together and it's now in in perfect working order actually cool man cool dude so everybody I just want to say it one more time I got one more question for you Michael I want to thank you so much um for talking to me right now I can't wait to see you Sunday um and I want everybody to remind you guys in Kada Venum is coming out September 27th guys pick it up fantastic record uh, last year, I talked to Mike Portnoy, and uh, he did state that you guys may have talked about collaborating on something. Um, and then he said that if he can collaborate with one person, it would be you. Is there any movement on that, or do you see any future collaborations maybe with Mike Portnoy? I, would lo- I love Mike. I consider him a friend of mine, and he's also done so much for the band by bringing us on tour twice when he was with Dream Theater, and always been very supportive. He presented us with an award last year or two years ago in London. Uh, he's a super, super nice guy, fucking massive fan of music, just like myself. So there's many similarities between myself and Mike, with exception, like, on top of us having the same first name. Um, he's a great, great guy and great fucking drummer. I would love to do something with him, but I just don't know what it would be. And this, I, I told him a few years back, he wanted to do a really heavy record. And I was like on the way to uh, like heritage, you know. And I was like, well, I've done that for such a long time. Would I want to do that again? Not necessarily. Like I want it to be something completely new. Um, and then he was in... We talked about him when me and Steve Wilson did that Storm Corrosion record, that if there's drums on there, maybe Mike could play, but there was so little drums on the record, and they're so so subdued that we felt like there's no need really for for a drummer of that caliber on that record, so that didn't materialize. But we've been talking about it ever since, but I mean, it's fun to do a project or those kind of things, I guess, but... I want to to be something. I don't want it to be just two semi-famous metal dudes collaborating on, you know, nothing. You know, I want it to be fucking special if we do something. I still still haven't kind of cracked that idea what that would be. 
Got it. Yeah. Fingers crossed. It sounds fun. And I just, you know, there's one of those things where um, if people find time to get into the room, you never know what comes out of it, you know? So, um, but yeah, you're, yeah, you're that's right. right. But Mike, yeah. Mike is also, he's, he's uh, ADD, fuck ADHD kid. He's, he, you know, he's, uh, his brain is on at all times. And so I never, and I'm rarely, you know, I've almost never written music together with someone else in, in that room. And I don't know how that would work because he's such, he's so on it. Uh, and I tend to be passive around those types of people. Ah, yes. If you know what I mean. Oh, I'm exactly like uh, that. Yeah, I let the they overwhelm. Yeah, so I, have, I feel I feel like I can't I can't uh, put my input in. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, now I, I kind of back off when somebody's like just exploding with ideas. Mm. I can tend to back off, and then sometimes I get a bit overrun. If you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, so I want to make sure that if we do a thing like that, because we've been talking about it for such a long time, I want to make sure that it's something that both me and him and where, whoever else is involved is going to feel like this is something new, if you know what I mean. If it's not that, then we, we shouldn't bother, to be honest. Absolutely. It has to be something new and something that we all can stand behind 100%. And that third collaborator might be the perfect link, whoever you guys decide. Because if you have kind of the ADHD guy and then the passive guy, then one in the middle will be able to uh, kind of feel both sides. That That's just a thought because it's exciting. To It'll be tiny time. Tim. Yeah, it'll be tiny. <laughs> Excellent, man. So with that, Michael, I want to thank you. I want to congratulate you for putting out uh, 13 fantastic records now that I've gotten to listen to and that have been a part of my life now for, man, 25 years. So uh, truly an honor that I got to talk to you and uh, an honor that I get to see you one more time out here Sunday in Las Vegas. So with that, my friend, thank you so much for calling in to the Metal Sucks podcast. It's all mine. The pleasure is mine. Thank you so much for talking to me, man.
Sucks Podcast.
the Metal Sucks Podcast.
And we are back, guys. First song you heard is by Opeth. That one is called Heart and Hand. The new album, In Kata Venum, is out September 27th. As you heard in the interview, guys, you got to check it out. Vocally, Michael pushes boundaries. It sounds great completely. Just another chapter to the, to the, the greatness of Opeth. Song you heard after that, guys, that is by a band called Imperium Decadence. Their album, When We Are Forgotten, is out right now, guys. And that song is called Transcendence. Great record. Just got into it personally. You guys definitely got to check that out. And the last song you guys heard is by a band that I'm a huge fan of, Insomnium. And that is uh, the track is called Valediction. Their new album, Heart Like a Grave, is out October 8th, guys. Make sure you pre-order and check that out. And with that, I want to thank you all once again for the five-star reviews or the emails like Declan said, giving us five-star reviews Love it. without seeing sweet. us. Thank you so much for that, Declan. Pick um, up that new, new album in, in the can of boom. <laughs> Shut up. I gotta cut that out, bro. <laughs> no. He was waiting for that. That's so funny. Dude. Was waiting for uh, Why do you gotta cut that out? Don't cut it out. I don't know. I'm promoting the record, maybe. No, it's still it's still it's, Opeth. People are gonna go buy it. The album could be called Go Fuck Yourself. People are gonna go buy it because they love Opeth. I mean, we appreciate him getting deep on us and educating us with some Latin. <laughs> I appreciate it. I just wanted now to make a quick joke. Phrase. I know, right? Yeah. What's the album called? In the in the can of boom. In the can of boom. <laughs> in the can of boom. <laughs> It's out, it's out Friday. Fucking pre-order it. <laughs> New Opeth. Anyways, um, I want to thank you guys all once again for the five-star reviews. We keep getting on iTunes. You guys are the best. Send the emails in. We'll do more bits. I promise if you guys want. If you don't, let us know that as well. We're fine with that. Doesn't well. matter. No. He's going to keep going. Briscoe and Dio got <laughs> shit to angry, say. Dude. Briscoe and Dio. Dude, they're like a step above Juggalo. Like at this age, mm. at this age, oh. I mean, they're like, a, they're like, a, what's, what's the equivalent of Juggalos? Oh, like Dookie. For, but I'm just saying. It's what's like, a step above a Juggalo? Yeah. A oh. dog with three legs. Yes. <laughs> no, I'm just yeah. saying like to name their fans. Oh, to, oh, what would they, what would yeah, they step would above juggle? Yeah, what would they name their fans? They would call them uh, Can of Booms. You know, me and Brandon, we're going to start a rap group making fun of Juggalos. What was it called? The Mad Jester Brigade. The Mad Jester <laughs> Brigade. I tried writing out the sketch. We're, we're going to write out a script, man. The Mad Jester Brigade needs it. We need to do a sketch on this show about the Mad Jester Brigade. We, we had a song. It was a rap song. And it was the stupidest Let thing ever. Let your dick decide. Let your dick decide. Oh, my It was God. so dumb. It'd be like, your grandma died. How'd you feel? Let your dick decide. <laughs> it's that bad. It was that bad. The Mad Jester Brigade. You open a can of boom. Let your dick decide. <laughs> It was a step below Juggalo. Oh, man. Oh, man. Anyways. Oh, God. With that, guys, below thank you. Below Juggalo. So we were. Mad Jester Brigade was a step below Juggalo. Let your dick decide. It's one of the worst oh. rhymes of all time. Anyways, with that, guys. How do magnets work? <laughs> oh, now we might be a step above Juggalo. Mm -hmm. Get us out of here. The Metal Sucks Podcast is signing off. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. <laughs>